Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Listen, today I want to deal in this idea of ambition. Talk about ambition. And um, over the next, over the next um, several weeks, we're going to get down into the larger idea that hopefully should help you in your profession, help you in your business, in your family life. But today, I want to deal in the foundation of the idea of ambition. I want to deal in that piece, and we're going to work that thing really good, because if we don't get this piece right, none of it will matter. Now, let me tell you the truth today as we speak about ambition. I really struggle when people say, um, don't work too hard. Now the truth is that I, I, say, I have said that. <laughs> I have said that too, and you probably said that too. But isn't that, stop and think about it. Don't you know that God created us to work? He created us to work. Even before the fall, um, God told Adam to rule over the animals. So work isn't just a byproduct of the fall, even though there are elements of it that are, we have to, in order to survive, we have to work by the sweat of our brow. But scripture tells us that we should go and take dominion of the earth. I want you to work. I want you to work hard. I want you to bring it with everything that you have. And the reality is that uh, truly great things require hard work. And hard work is a byproduct of ambition. Now, somewhere along the line, some Christians have come up with the idea that ambition is a bad word. It's a bad word. You know, culture teaches us this, and then truth be known, we've all been trying to get out of work since the day we were born. Um, There's this, how many kids do you have in your family? I got three. You just tell me. How many do you have? There's always a fourth one. It's like, hey, Whose job is it to take out the trash? And all the kids are like, I don't know. You got a kid, a fourth kid running around your house called I don't know. Everybody's been trying to get out of work. Everybody's been trying to get out of work since the day they were born. And so this idea that um, ambition is viewed by some Christians even as being bad. But God does not shame ambition. What he does want to do and what I'm going to try to do today is appropriately place, appropriately position ambition in your life. We're going to work at this uh, today. And so during this series, I want to open the hood of our lives, get the scriptures out, and ask God to help us to bring order around our aspirations, around our ambitions, so they honor the Lord. Pathway Church, you just not see what we have done here today in honoring our graduates. We did this here at Moffitt Campus. We also did the same thing over at Airport Campus. And when you think about Hey, there is another campus. Pathway Church has another campus. Why would we do that? Because we have an ambition, we have an an ambition to advance the gospel. We're hungry for it, we aspire for it, we we long for it. So I want us to put this in the right place. And my hope is that every single arena of your life will be touched by a biblical perspective on ambition. It'll touch your family. It'll minister to your peace. It'll bless you in your business, in your work, in your school, 
in everything you do. Let me give you a truth to kind of start this thing off with, okay? Worldly ambition is evil. Godly ambition is good. Say that with me. Worldly ambition is evil. Godly ambition is good. Leonard Ravenhill said this about ambition. He said, my main ambition in life is to be on the devil's most wanted list. I like that one. You know, let me tell you, let me just tell you a secret about the devil. He's not going to stop messing with you, so you might as well fight him. Might as well. You can say, well, I don't want to pick a fight with him. I don't want to agitate him. No, he's already agitated. Be fighting the devil every chance you get. My ambition for you is that you will be killing sin or sin will be killing you. My ambition for you is that you will fight the enemy with every step you take. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, I know of nothing which I, could, I would choose to have as the subject of my ambition for life than to be kept faithful to my God till death, still to be a soul winner, still to be a true herald of the cross and testify the name of Jesus to the last hour. It is only such in the ministry who shall be saved. Bill Wilson said, true ambition is not what we thought it was. True ambition is the profound desire to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of God. And then Henry Ward Beecher said, all ambitions are lawful except those that climb upward on the miseries or credulities of the world. Now I'm going to take you through a few passages Paul shares, and we are going to be looking at Paul's life as our subject or a model on the path of godly ambition. But I want to give you a few just cursory touches before I get into the main text. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. <clears throat> okay, let me let you in on a little slice of my life. When I was 14, I worked at Chick-fil-A. I am a Chick-fil-A alumnus right here. I was one of the best chicken flippers at the age of 14 in the whole Chick-fil-A franchise. But I struggled with my 15-year-old assistant manager. He's probably 16, you know. 16-year-old senior manager. I remember coming home to my dad saying, Dad, I don't want to work at that job anymore. This guy named his name. I've forgotten his name now. I said, man, he has it out for me. He's after me. I don't like working for him. And you know what he said? My dad said, son, you're not working for that 16-year-old kid. You're working for Jesus. That was a good word. And you know, I've used that word to share with my, with my kids from time to time as maybe they had a teacher. You know, there's a lot of awesome teachers in the world. You know that's true. We got a lot of awesome teachers right here at Pathway Church. But you know, there's some sketchy teachers too. Come on, can I get an amen? It's all right, you can say that. It's, it's all right. We've all had them. I remember one of our kids was dealing with a very difficult teacher. A teacher that was hard and almost ruthless would say things that you should never say to kids. It was just, it was too hard, too rough. And I remember us being able to say as parents that some of your best teachers are also some of your worst teachers because to be able to navigate a challenging situation, God will give you gifts and abilities to navigate all kinds of situations. This, this is what Paul says. Paul says that whatever it is that you do, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what it is that you face, 
But whatever it is you do, do it as unto the Lord, even if your circumstances aren't ideal. Even if people are rough on you, even if you, know, you feel like uh, you're agitated or, or a challenging thing, you have an ambition, have an ambition that no matter what circumstance that you're in, that you will work as unto the Lord. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, M-Y-O-B. <laughs> now, that's, that's not an acronym for minding your own business or mind your own business. That's mind your own business. <laughs> M-Y-O-B, uh, make this your goal. Working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter six, verse 33. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things, all these things will be added to you. So our ambition has a place. Our, our ambition has a target. Our ambition has a goal. God is not calling us not to have ambition. He's just calling us to put ambition in its right place. Now, when we look at Paul's life, there's some things that we need to understand about him. I love to share historical context with you, cultural context. Today I wanna to give you the context of Paul's personality according to psychologists and theologians that they would say, and you all would probably agree with me, how many of you would say Paul was driven? Paul was driven. He started churches all over the known world. He would get in a boat, go to a city, go to Ephesus, go to Corinth, go to Rome. He would start a church when he would leave. So he was driven. But psychologists have looked at him and they've, they've, this, they've said that they, know, they believe they know his personality profile according to the Myers-Briggs personality test. How many of you have taken the personality test? For those of you that haven't, let me just tell you, there's two tests that we'll give you in our Connect class, like our membership class. It's a spiritual gifts inventory and a personality test. Fortunately, so far, nobody has failed the personality test. We all know that just from hanging out with one another. But it'll give you the pro your profile. We do that so that you can find your fit in the church. And you know, I like to do this in premarital counseling also because it helps a husband and our, our fiancés to better understand one another. And let me just tell you, Boy, it's a job to understand one another in marriage, right? Myers-Briggs profile for the Apostle Paul is that he is an ENTJ, extroverted, intuitive, thinking, and judging. And this personality profile is um, what the kind of profile that a person would have if they're frank, if they're decisive, uh, if they're quick to make judgment, if they're quick to understand situations, if they can quickly see illogical functions and systems and organizations. And of course, when you look at Paul, you can see that. Who was it that was structuring the church? Who was talking about deacons and all of the different ways to make the church go? See, one thing about ministry is that preaching the gospel is enough to lead people to Christ but it's not enough to lead the church. There's so many other pieces. And so we see in the Apostle Paul's life, we see that he was a very driven person, that he could develop and implement comprehensive strategies for a global church. This is what pushed him in to establish the church, to meet people like Lydia, establish the church, and then entrust them with leadership and leave, and then five or six years later, write a letter to them, to the church at Ephesus, to encourage them on in their growth and to set leaders in place, to trust their leaders, to grow in God's grace. 
This was his personality profile. But the thing is, with Paul's personality, there, there came some struggles. Because Paul in this quick-to-take-charge personality had a focus that, while it was very much a strength, it also came with some challenges. In fact, if you think about your own personality, the strengths that you have are also have a soft side weakness to them. That the things that make you good are also probably some of the things that irritate people. It's wonderful when someone knows how to take charge, but it's also annoying when somebody's always trying to take charge. I want you to see this in Paul's life. Before we go to his problem though, I want you to hear where God took him from his salvation to where he articulates the Christian ideal for ambition in a person's life. Go with me to Philippians chapter three and we're gonna look at verse 10. Here's what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. How's that for an ambition? Say that with me. I want to know Christ. Okay, let's say it a little bit stronger and end on a downstroke with an exclamation point, okay? I want to know Christ. This is Paul. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Boy, that is a powerful testimony. This is the kind of testimony that I heard from my own father as he was in the last weeks of his life and he knew that barring some supernatural, miraculous work in his physical person that he was gonna go see Jesus. And here's what he was saying. He was saying, I just want every breath to matter to God. This is the voice in the heart of someone that has truly discovered their ambition. Ambition is a gift from God. In fact, I want you to understand this, write this down, is that ambition is a powerful and godly trait that Satan twists. It's like money. It's like everything. It's like, it's like sex. It's like work. It's like recreation. It's like all of these things. God created them and Satan comes along and he redirects us with a inappropriate use of these characteristics. See, the problem with ambition is an ambition. The problem with ambition is the heart that drives the ambition. The money is not the problem. The problem with the money is the heart that drives the money. The work is not the problem. The relationship is not the problem. The person isn't the problem. It's the heart behind the issue that's the problem. Pathway Church, be ambitious. Graduates of Pathway Church, be ambitious. Do something for the glory of God. No, I want you to look and I want you to hear really good every single one of us. As long as we have breath in these lungs, I want you, God wants you, this word of God wants you to do something with what God has given you. When your feet hit the floor, you are a directed person, an ambitious person to do something for God's glory. But the focus of ambition should always be Jesus. It should always be Jesus. Now, let me give you a picture in the scriptures. It's in 1 Timothy 
a picture of contentment, a picture of ambition, and a warning for Christianity, for Christians about worldly ambition. You, you do know that we can go from a godly ambition to a worldly ambition very easily. This is not a large chasm to cross. It's a very narrow chasm, and it's all done within the heart of the person. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth or is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Did you know that some of the most ambitious people who have achieved more than anyone else are not content? Some, some of the most recognizable names in all of humanity right now are expressing lack of, con- of contentedness. You think of the Gates family after amassing more wealth than any other human beings in the world are presently going through a divorce. You can see all kinds of people that enough is never enough. Let me just give you a warning here. If you cannot temper your ambition with contentedness, you are in for a world of dissatisfaction, a life of dissatisfaction, a life of broken heartedness. God has not called us to this. He said, after all, Paul said, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, so we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. I'll never forget, as a, as a, as a young minister, I want to say a younger minister, I want, I want to hang on to, but pastor, your beard is great. Yeah, that's called teenagers. <laughs> Has nothing to do with youthfulness. When I was starting out in ministry and we were getting the church up and going and, and we had 27 people in, in our church and we were, we were meeting in a movie theater and we we did everything together. I mean, I was everything too. I was a pastor. I was the janitor. I put the bulletins together. I turned on the air conditioning. I did the slides. I, did the, I was the communications guy. I was every. I, I even led worship in the church. And let me tell you, if there's anything, some people are into church growth, but put me into lead worship and that'll make a church shrink real fast. <laughs> Or to make you really depend on the Lord, one or the other. I'll tell you what, it was like an out-of-body experience for me. That's when I was like, I'm going to be a better leader than this because I, I got to go find me a worship pastor. You know what? We did all kinds of things together, and it was wonderful. We enjoyed one another, and then the church grew, and as the church grew, it just felt incredible. And I'll never forget hitting about 200 people. I couldn't believe all those people were coming out. To my church and I couldn't get over that 200 mark. I wrestled with that for years. We were, I was leading people to Jesus. People were coming to Christ in the church. We were enjoying one another, but the church would grow and it would shrink and it would grow and it would shrink. It would grow and it would shrink. And I had a vision in my heart for what God wanted to do. Why? Because I was ambitious. But God was doing a work on me. And I remember after years of learning and studying and trying to figure out the ministry leadership practices that helped organize your church so that it could do, like people are coming to Christ on the altar, why aren't they staying? I was populating all kinds of churches. People coming to Christ. And I remember one day getting down on my knees, talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if this is the most that I'm gonna be able to do, 
I am just so thankful that I get to preach your gospel. And I will love these people. I'll give them everything they have. I'll preach to them as if they were 5,000. I'll give them everything that I've got. And I feel like on that day, something in my life broke. And I found peace. I heard God's voice. And it was like the pressure was off. What was that? Oh, it was ambition. Yes. But I had come to the place where I said, God, I'll be content in whatever it is that you've given me. You know, if I could just stop just for a second. While we're talking about ambition, Pathway Church, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're sick, if you're healthy, if you're young, if you're old, can't we all be content with whatever it is the Lord gives us? Because godliness with contentment is great gain. What does it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and lose his soul. Lord, when it comes to things, accumulating experiences, whatever it is, if all we get, if we only get to have one thing, if we have you, Lord, it's enough. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Paul goes on, he says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now, this is not Paul's discourse saying that we should all take a vow of poverty. That's not what this is. This is saying if people's ambition is to be rich, if people's ambition is to accumulate, and it, it shifts the focus from Jesus, if we forget Jesus, if we scratch and claw over everyone and everything and disregard our relationship and want those things more than anything else, then we failed. And don't think of yourself as better than somebody down the road. Don't look at somebody and say, well, they, they've sacrificed more of their life to get where they are than I am, and I wouldn't do all of those things. I don't have that desire. Let me tell you that you are sitting among the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. There is no poverty in this room, according to global standards. Now, could we all handle a little more? Is there somebody that doesn't have money for maybe the medicine that you want, or you may not have the money for the car or the house you want? Yeah, I'm sure. But you do know that not only are we among the wealthiest on the planet, we are among the wealthiest in all of human history. And the reality is, how many of us have gotten so ambitious that we have forgotten Jesus? Let me just say this right now. I had some more scripture there I wanted to read, but let me just say, if your life has led you to a place where you're so ambitious and too busy for small group, your ambition is misplaced. If you have come to the place where you're too busy to get your family up and get into the house of the Lord, then you're too ambitious. If you're so ambitious that you don't have time to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, you are working on the wrong projects with your ambition. Pathway Church, 
Man, let's love Jesus with everything that we have. Let's dive down into fellowship with one another. Let's give of ourselves to one another. If God has given us skills and gifts and time and talent and treasure and influence, let's use it for the glory of God because some of you have pierced yourself through with ambitions for things of this world while stiff-arming the things of God. Listen, I came here to tell you, people that I love, people that I'm passionate for, I'd do anything for you, but I want to look you square in the eye and let you know that if you're getting things with greater intensity then you're getting your relationship with God you're getting things wrong and the Lord loves you yeah I want the Lord to bless us I do I want him to bless you I want him to prosper you I pray that God would prosper you and keep you in health that's all we prayed in 2020 we worked for that but let me tell you Lord won't you give us as much as you can, but not one thing, not one cent, not one experience more than what we could handle. If it distracts us from God, then cut us off right there. My prayer though isn't that God would cut you off, that daddy would cut you off. That's not my prayer. My prayer is that you would grow in your faith and use everything that you have for the glory of God. Has God given you a home? Open it up and use it for the glory of God. Invite somebody over to your house today. Take them out for some Burger King ministry. If God's given you a car, pick somebody up for church. Check on people for the glory of God. If God has given you influence, use that influence for the glory of God. I heard someone recently tell me, you know what, we've got influence. We don't want to waste it here. You, we have no influence if we don't use it. Where are we going to speak for the fatherless? Where are we going to speak for the people who are broken? Has God set you up? Well, I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. Man, you better get busy doing something for the glory of God because God didn't bless you to put you up on a shelf like a little trophy. God blessed you and he keeps you to use you and to use me for his glory. Look, don't trade away your kingdom birthright for a little bowl of porridge. Put your ambition on the right stuff. Here's Paul's ambitious start. Acts chapter 22, verses 8. The Bible tells us that while Paul was on the road to Damascus, a great light shone round about him. This is when he came to meet Jesus. Verse 8, he sees all of this and he says, Where, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one who you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I ask, here's what Paul asked. Remember, he's just starting out in his walk with Jesus. He says, what should I do? Lord, say that with me. What should I do? Lord, try and hit that inflection on the do, okay? Let's try this again. What should I do? Lord, so funny how Paul starts out. ENTJ, driven, extroverted, Intuitive, thinking, judging, focused, commander, directing, conquering, admiral, Paul, apostle, capital A, apostle. He's the man starting church all over. Of course, when he meets Jesus, he says, what should I do? He's ambitious to do and achieve. And the Lord's like, oh, sweet Saul who has persecuted me. That's so wonderful that you want to do something for me. Let me help you really understand how this goes. The Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light, 
I had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man. He was deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. Boom. In that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, now listen to this. Listen to the string of words where the Lord begins to redirect him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know, to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Look, the goal of our ambition isn't, shouldn't be in doing first. The goal of our ambition should be in being first. Now, Dr. Fred Toke, we all love Dr. Toke. We call him the Tokimon. <laughs> Top psychologist in Singapore. We get to do ministry together all over, and I love it. When he comes and preaches, I gotta really step up my game the next Sunday just to get on the same level. He'll jump up on a stool. He has great pictures. Uh, he jumped up on the stool one time like Karate Kid. I don't know if you remember that. I did the crane. I'm like, man, this guy is amazing. And here's what he would say, borrowing from his tradition, borrowing from his area of study, from his profession, he would say that we are human beings, not human doings. Our value is not in what we can do. Our value is in who we can be. Our greatest ambition should be in who we are. In him we live and move and have our being. So everything your ambition causes you to collect along the way should be pressed in to, making, to knowing Jesus and to making Jesus known. Because I am not a pastor. You are not a lawyer. You are not a teacher. You are not a mechanic. You are a child of God who happens to pastor, who happens to be a mechanic. We are not defined by our profession. We are defined by who we belong to. We belong to Jesus. And if we belong to Jesus, we would have the revelation that Paul had, and we would say, I long to know Jesus. Use whatever vehicle that you have to get there, to know this, to share this. If we can get this foundation right, then when we achieve, we won't try to hide Jesus. We will use the platforms that we build to lift Jesus up higher. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.